0: Hello, welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast. I'm your host, at Cameron Sutter-Dubai, joined as always by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. The Celtics host the Nets this Friday night to play game three of their first one series against Brooklyn, and perhaps we'll get to that. But instead, we want to acknowledge some of the comments made by Kyrie Irving, the, react, the reaction around the hub and around the country, some of the other issues facing fans, media and athletes, and everything that has kind of popped off this week. To, to do that, we've brought in a guest. Please welcome in Nick Fay of the Brooklyn Buds podcast and Off the Glass Basketball. Nick, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Cam. Obviously, you know, some of these recent issues with fans and players haven't been great, but I am enjoying some uh, playoff basketball.
0: Yeah, it's a real shame because uh, some of the basketball has been absolutely tremendous. Um, If anyone hasn't watched the Knicks Hawks series, you're really missing out. Uh, Dr. Quinn, Alex, how are things in Mexico City? How are things in Somerville? Kind
2: of warm for a change. Uh, I'm enjoying this unusually unseasonal weather. It doesn't usually get too hot in Mexico City or too cold, so not too bad.
3: Cool. Alex? Things are going well here in Somerville. It's gorgeous out. I'm going to go play some basketball in a little bit. Mr. T, I hope you're going to join me there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I think I just wanna kinda echo what you just said. You know, it's it's been kind of troubling to see uh these incidences of fans really being kind of crappy to both uh other basketball players and just kind of the sport in general when there really has been such incredible playoff basketball going on. I mean, between the Knicks Hawks series, you know, Luka Doncic is becoming just an all-time great player before our eyes. You've got, you know, the Suns-Lakers series, which has all sorts of compelling drama. And, you know, the Celtics-Nets series, which will be very, (laughs) very exciting, I'm I'm sure. But, no, things are going well.
0: Yeah, uh, it is a shame. The basketball has been tremendous, and we waited a long time to do this in front of fans. Uh, So we we brought Nick on. Nick is a friend of the pod, obviously, from off the glass. We brought Nick on to talk about the series, but... uh, more important things got in the way. So we actually are going to start with the lab portion of the programming where we jump into topics and get a little granular. And we're going to try to make sense of kind of some of the things people have been talking about this week and our own reactions. Uh, And perhaps we'll get to the actual X's and O's of the series. Maybe we won't. Uh, Kemba Walker is questionable for Friday night's game. So maybe this is the beginning of the end. Uh, So let's talk about some of the stuff that happened. I, I imagine anyone who's listening at this point uh, has heard or read Kyrie Irving's comments pertaining to racism at the TD Garden and in Boston, the reputation there uh, that he delivered Tuesday night. And since then, there's been really reactions from all sorts of people. Some are really poignant and powerful and some have just really been people putting foots in people's mouths. So I'm just going to ask, you know, what were people's initial reactions to what Kyrie said? And and then we'll kind of talk about where that conversation has gone. So uh, yeah, what is, what are our initial reactions to Kyrie's comments? Uh, Maybe when or how they were delivered? Although at this point the horses are out of the barn, perhaps, I don't know. Um, Dr. Quinn, you and I have been talking about this all week. Can I ask you to just tell us kind of where your thoughts were at and maybe how they've evolved over the week?
2: Well, I was, not expecting to hear that, obviously, Mm -hmm. as everyone really wasn't. I I, I can't say the topic of what he's discussing is anything of a surprise. There has been some surprising pushback we can talk about later from within the organization itself that kind of mirrors the historic denialism of racism uh, in the United States. I'm not just going to say Boston.
1: Sure.
2: And Well, there have been some complicated relationships with the media involving Kyrie Irving. This is a thing that we need to take seriously regardless of how our initial or even continuing um, feeling about why he's saying it, how he's saying it, where he's saying it. All of that doesn't matter. It's illegitimate criticism and needs to be taken as such. I've heard some people say, well, it's not my place to get into this debate as a person um, who identifies as white. And that may be true. That's probably pretty good advice in general, but it's also Mm -hmm. a good idea for us to have these conversations with each other uh, to maybe kind of find the complicated aspects of this discussion Um, in a more productive light because we can make all the theories we want about why Kyrie is saying what he said. We can dig up all the articles that say what he has and hasn't said in the past and what people do and do not know. We don't know what's in his head. We don't know what he experienced, and we don't know why he said what he said, no matter what we want to think about that. I'm really tired of talking about Kyrie Irving and his engagements with the media, but this is an issue that's too important to ignore.
1: Yeah, I think you uh, nailed it, Justin. I mean, I wasn't super surprised when I heard Kyrie say that, just given, you know, some of the incidents that have happened in Boston, not necessarily much in the NBA, but I know in MLB and baseball, there's been different occasions where guys have kind of brought it up and not wanted to play there. So I'm not super surprised. And obviously we know that the relationship between Kyrie, Boston fans, Boston media isn't great. And you kind of anticipated them probably pushing the line. And I think he just wanted to clarify and more so like, Hey, all right, whatever you want to trash talk me, that's cool, but let's kind of keep it clean to an extent and not kind of go past that line. So, you know, like you said, I think it, it kind of reminds me similar to like the whole bubble situation when Kyrie was like, you know, are we sure we actually want to go to the bubble? like, it's kind of holding back social issues. And people are like, oh, Kyrie's crazy. Why is he saying all this? Like, actually, what he's saying made a lot of sense because we saw yeah. players protest later in the bubble. It's just that no one kind of wants to respect Kyrie Irving's word. And I get why, because of some of the things he said in the past. But I think on serious issues, you have to kind of, you know, listen to everybody and everyone's
3: perspective.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, Alan, yeah, I think.
3: Well, so... And I I think all of these points that you've both made are definitely correct and on the money when it comes to the kind of approach to Kyrie Irving's media stuff. But what was really kind of disappointing for me more than anything was um, to see the incredibly predictable, but nonetheless disheartening reaction to Kyrie's comments, particularly uh, in like Boston media circles and in, uh, you know, kind of. Just, just life in general, I feel like there are a lot of people that heard those comments and because it was Kyrie, because of the kind of acrimonious relationship that you mentioned, Nick, um, they immediately kind of went into this, like, reactionary, like, super personalized place where they assumed that Kyrie Irving was talking about them or was talking about, like you know, somebody that they cared about. And if I, I guess the thing is, like, if that's the case, isn't that kind of proving exactly what he just said? The fact that he uh, that he created this like really over-the-top, overzealous reaction from a lot of people, both in like Celtics media and in Celtics fandom, uh, I think that really kind of belies that there there is some truth to what he said and people Kind of people did not do a really great job of approaching that with a kind of reasonable and measured discussion. You know, it's Kyrie Irving, so everybody has to have their takes. I get that, I guess, but it just, it's, it really seemed to me that th- what Kyrie said was not particularly outrageous or controversial um and like if you li- if you listen to like Marcus Smart if you listen to Bill Russell there's tons of Celtics players in the past who will attest that like yes there is racism in the fan base and they've experienced it and it's not just Boston i mean we literally saw somebody pour popcorn on Russell Westbrook's head yesterday that's a throwback to all sorts of racist harassment that black basketball players have had to endure for generations. So what Kyrie is saying is not like a controversial or difficult thing, but to see people react like it's some sort of inflammatory statement was really just disheartening and shows how much further we still have to go on a lot of these issues.
0: So unfortunately, I think that the reaction is more the story perhaps than what Kyrie said. So we we will really spend a lot of time on that or as much time as we can. I think I would just offer two things. One is Kyrie Irving is just kind of an enigma, but at the end of the day, he's a, a professional athlete. Um, so he is not an orator. He's not a teacher. He's not a politician. And I think we, we really get it part of the phrase. I think we get our panties in a knot when he doesn't deliver really important messages the way that we expect them or want them to be delivered, which has its own racial tint to it, obviously. Um, so I do think some questioning of why that comment was framed the way it was is fair enough. But, and I said this earlier in the week, the issue that he raised is so much more important than the issue of a player misusing a press conference. And so I think it's really incumbent on all of us uh, to check our, our emotions and interrogate and, and why we're feeling well, the way we're feeling. Um, and this is weird, but I'm kind of thankful that he said it in a way because this week has been really stressful. I, I'm annoyed with some of the reactions, the ones we'll get into in a moment. But hell, we are having a difficult conversation. I'm way happier kind of slogging through this uncomfortable conversation than I am listening to Nick talk about how good the Nets offense is. <laughs> um, this is a more important conversation, although Net, Nets and Nick go together quite well. So, uh, and we, we don't have to go in the same order, obviously, but let's, let's pivot away from what Kyrie said initially and kind of talk about some of the reactions, the good or the bad um, in the past week and if they mean anything, or if it's just athletes or former athletes, not knowing how PR works. So um, Alex, you alluded to this Uh, in the time since we saw this happen. uh, We saw Russell Westbrook get showered with popcorn from a fan, which again could be interpreted through a racial lens. We saw Trey Young get spit at. Uh, by a fan in New York, which again could be interpreted through a racial lens, and whether or not this fits the the mold entirely, I think Naomi Osaka talking about, "Hey, I don't want to do press," uh, I think it's the French Open, says something about the relationship between media, uh, fans, and athletes. So perhaps we'll we'll have time to talk about that. But certainly, let's stick with the NBA for now. Any thoughts on what people have said? Things that we want to shine a light on? Things we want to push back on? Alex, I know that you took umbrage with a certain statement.
3: Yes, I definitely did. I mean, so um, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Cameron has posted about this on Twitter in the past hour or so, and I retweeted it. You can go find it there. But Danny Ainge, um, the Celtics GM, made an incredibly disappointing follow-up comment uh, with regard to Kyrie Irving's press conference. Um, I can read the quote here. But the quote that stood out is, I think that we take those kind of things, in this case, allegations of racism by fans, seriously. I've never heard any of that from any player that I've ever played with in my 26 years in Boston. I never heard that before from Kyrie, and I talked to him quite a bit. So I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter. We're just playing basketball. Players can say what they want. So there's a number of issues in that statement that we probably don't have time to unpack for all of them. But let's start with this. In the past year, Marcus Smart, Danny Ainge's uh, appraised favorite player on the Celtics, wrote an article for the Players' Tribune in which he explicitly said that he has experienced racism in Boston. Mm -hmm. Danny Ainge has spent time around Bill Russell, a guy who was relentlessly harassed in Boston, despite being the best basketball player in the world and the main reason why the Celtics are considered one of the NBA's great franchises. Danny Ainge is absolutely wrong for saying this. And frankly, he's either lying or completely misremembering most of his life here. And I don't think that's a hyperbolic statement. And there's a number of problems with this. One, that Danny Ainge is denying uh, the lived experience of a number of former players and former people involved in Celtics organization and current players. And two, if we're going to, and we're going to zoom out here just like purely from a basketball operations perspective, this is a really stupid thing to say if you're the GM of a basketball team, especially in a league with predominantly black players when you are trying to build a championship level team. This is the kind of thing that is going to piss off free agents. This is the kind of thing that is going to cause players on your team to start thinking about whether they want to be on your team long-term. And just from my own perspective, it's the nail in the coffin of what has been a really bad year for Danny Ainge and one that has caused me to really question whether he should be the GM of this team going forward. Sure.
0: Dr.
2: Glenn? So... The frame that's being used here, I think, is really what the issue is. You know, the problem here is where people are engaging this from. And it's not just any age. One of the very first uh, incidents of this being addressed from a person who would know from within the Celtic Mm -hmm. organization itself was Kendrick Perkins speaking um, immediately after the comments, uh, I believe, when he was with... uh, NBC Boston post game talking about how he also did not experience anything in his time in Boston. And I just need to emphasize that that is not the point. It's not the point. The point is that people are experiencing. It doesn't even matter if it was Kyrie who was experiencing it. If you read Kyrie's words closely, he does not say I experienced this. What he did say is, that the whole world knows. And, you know, I do take a little bit of umbrage with with Boston as a whole, and particularly the Celtics organization, where there seems to be some kind of confusion between the two of Boston as an organization and Boston as a city and the fan base and all of that. But none of these frames of reference are, are the important, except for the fact that we know that it is happening and we see very clearly within the last 48 hours, two incidents that we've already discussed several times now of this happening elsewhere. And there is no reason and plenty of reason to believe that there is the possibility of this to happen in a very charged environment. It's very, very possible that all Kyrie was trying to say is I know you guys are going to ring me out. Please don't call me racial epithets.
1: Yeah. I think you know that Justin, I mean you too, Alex, just looking at it is just like, it's like, okay, people are complaining about something happening to them and and the racist stuff happening in Boston. And then Danny Ainge is coming out and saying and being like, well, you know, players can say what they want. Like essentially, like that just comes across so bad, especially in the year in which we're having the year that we just had in 2020. It's like, are you not socially aware of what is going on? So it's, it's like, honestly, it feels kind of disrespectful to Kyrie to an extent just of like, oh, he's saying there's racism. I-, I don't really care what he's saying. And it's like kind of just turning a side eye to it when, like you mentioned, Alex, Marcus Smart has talked about it. Other incidents have b- been brought up in the past. It's just like, where are, what are we doing here? Like, this is kind of obvious stuff. And obviously, this is something you don't want associated with your franchise, with your fan base. So let's think of a way to kind of come to a solution instead of saying it doesn't really matter.
0: And it's a symptom of a bigger problem. I mean, this is a basketball podcast. so We won't get too in the weeds, but when, when we listen to uh, people around the country try to demonize or ban critical race theory in schools, for example, there's a a real lack of understanding of how important it is that conversations about race in this country are really careful and empathetic and accurate and factually accurate. And, uh, I don't think that Danny Ainge and I don't think many other people, Justin, to your point, are kind of on point when we're talking about these things because we're not looking at anecdotal evidence necessarily. Although the the Undefeated ran a great article about anecdotal evidence of racism experience in Boston. And we were, before we went on air, talking about the experiences I've had as a Middle Eastern person or uh, non white people in Boston have had. So the anecdotal evidence also is there, but structurally, we know that Boston invented stop-and-frisk policing. We know that Boston invented uh, the suburbs, the modern American suburb, and all of the racism that comes with that. We know that uh, Boston isn't the most segregated city in America, but it wrote a lot of the script for social segregation. And it's one of those things, I think, where we don't know yet what the solution for solving this problem, this existential problem of race in this country is. Of course not. But I think at the very least, it's, it's important for all of us from every walk of life to, to do so carefully and with humility and patience. And that hasn't been on display and it's antithetical to reactionary sports commentary. I mean, I don't know how many people are still listening to this podcast at this point because maybe Uh, this isn't what they signed up for, but yeah,
3: I was going to mention, I think we're probably getting at least one one star review coming in. So (laughs) it it, it, typically does happen.
0: (laughs) Well, I encourage that person to, to wonder why they're not enjoying this conversation or at least not enjoying it to the point of a one star review because this is a five-star conversation we're having. Uh, let's, let's peel back a little more. I mean, it's not a fun topic of conversation, but uh, between the spitting and the popcorn and issues of, of race, what do we think of the state of fandom and the NBA? Uh, I'll just offer that the NBA itself issued uh, a statement a few hours ago. We're recording Thursday afternoon. They said the return of more NBA fans to our arenas has brought great excitement and energy to the start of the playoffs, but it is critical we all share respect for players officials and our fellow fans An enhanced fan code of conduct will be vigorously enforced in order to ensure a safe and respectful environment for all involved. And then I'll just also offer that uh, the NBA PA issued a a slightly more full-throated endorsement of, Hey, let's protect the players as did people like LeBron. Um, So again, it's not a pleasant topic to our one-star viewers, but what can we say about this experience? Uh, Nick, can I go to you? Uh, maybe it's the block isn't so hot outside of Boston. What do you think when you see a great playoffs kind of derailed by these issues?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really terrible. Like the, especially for the players too, because they've been waiting so long for the fans to get back in the arena. And now they have these incidents where guys are not treating them like humans. You know what I mean? I think that's like the most important thing. Like these guys are humans. And I think like, typically, I don't know as much about other countries, but in the U S it feels like they treat entertainers like they're entertainers and they're not humans. You know what I mean? Like these are professional athletes on the court. And the fact that they're just like treating them like they're almost like circus animals to an extent, like pouring popcorn on somebody, spitting on somebody. And then you also know that the player can't do anything in return. You know what I mean? It's not like we're going to see malice at the palace or anything like that, especially during the pandemic and all the security there and all those things. I'm not saying that's what I do want to see, but it's like, Yo, we really have been begging to get back in the arenas, get some type of normalcy, and just like get vaccinated just so we can go to games. And now you want to go there and disrespect the players. And like, cool, you want to chant, like, you know, Trey Young sucks do it like that's cool whatever if that's that's what makes you happy and that makes you feel like a good fan you know I, I'm not a big fan of doing that but that, if you want to do that that's cool but you definitely are crossing a line when you do something to somebody like pour popcorn on them or spit on them like spitting on somebody is like one of the most disrespectful things you can do and his yeah. back was turned to you as well like I that the whole spit it like the popcorn thing is really bad like don't get me wrong but the spitting thing is completely next level of just unacceptable stuff and I'm happy that the NBA is stepping in and trying to make things tighter because that's what the fans deserve they've shown and what i hate it sounds like a teacher but one one student student ruins it for everybody and that's really the case is and i know we got a few teachers in here so it's just like what, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. come on guys, like learn how to act. Like these are adults too. It's not even like we're seeing teenagers do it or children yeah. that maybe don't know better or know how to act. But like, these are grown men that are acting like children and treating these people with no respect. I mean, it's honestly, it's disgusting. And obviously, you know, the NBA needs to do something about it. And that means banning the, the people or just having a no tolerance policy. You know, if you say something that's slightly across the line, all right, bye. You're kicked out of this game. Maybe you're not banned, but they need to get tighter. And I know people are complaining planning, oh, the NBA is off. No, they're just treating their players with respect and
3: value in which these fans are not. Yeah. And in the case of the spitting, I mean, folks, we are still very much Mm -hmm. in the midst of a global pandemic. That is literally a public safety issue. And the series right there. Yeah. Yeah. If Trey Young gets COVID from that person, that changes the playoffs (laughs) irrevocably. So that's a massive problem. And I think you know, Nick, you kind of hit on this thing that um, I, I wanted to address, which is that for a lot of people right now who are going to these games, this is probably the first event that they have been at like this for a very long time, for at least a year. And people um, people have a tendency to get a little weird when they haven't been at something for a really long time. And that's not to excuse anything that they're, that these people are doing. Like obviously what they're doing is really wretched and should be condemned. But I think the NBA, this is to say that I think the NBA might need to do a slightly better job at kind of understanding the human psychology of some of the people that are coming back into the arenas for the first time in a year, like people are going to be belligerent. People are going to be out of their minds and justifiably so in a lot of cases because NBA playoff basketball is fricking awesome. I I mean, the last time I went to a playoff game, I got absolutely tanked and had a great time. It was a blast. But you know, as people are kind of approaching this summer In the post-vaccination world, I think you're going to see this trend in a lot of different places where people are going to be doing the most in every setting that they're in. And the NBA, I think, needs to do a better job of kind of preparing their facilities, their players, their staff, and everything else that they are bringing in so they, they need to prepare people a little better for that reality because people are not going to be on their best behavior at a lot of these games. And it's it's sad and it's upsetting and it does ruin the experience for the 99% of fans that are just there to cheer for their team. But it's a kind of thing that you got to take seriously.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, unfortunately I have a hard stop. So Dr. Quinn, uh, I'll give you the last word about... Anything that happened this week, or if you want, you can end on the lighter side. How did the Celtics win a game in this series? So, you get the last word here.
2: Well, I don't know if the Celtics can win the game in this series, (laughs) uh, but boo Kyrie all you want. Seriously. But boo him because you don't like the team he's on now beating you. Boo him because you wanted him to stay for the Celtics. Boo him for good reasons. Don't boo him because you don't like the race that he is, or you don't like...
0: The way that he talks about race.
2: Or or any of these things. It's just, like, boo him for sports reasons. Just sports reasons. Most of the people I I need to hear this message are the stick-to-sports crowd anyway, so even though I generally don't appreciate that perspective, for this one particular form of engagement, (laughs) just
0: stick-to-sports. Well, I think that's a, a good way of putting it. So, Nick the host of the Brooklyn Bows podcast, the Grand Plumba of Off the Glass Basketball. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, Dr. Quinn, I think you said it well. I hope that we can, ironically enough, uh, stick to sports in some ways. So thanks, Kyrie, for for teeing this off. And I don't mean that facetiously. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, and thanks, Nick, again.
3: And go Celtics. Let's try and win a game, please.